Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. Once again, we come before you to receive instructions. We ask, Lord, that you open our understanding. Give us revelations, insight to the will and the purposes as revealed in the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, so we're going to continue with our, <clears throat> our study on Lazarus and the rich man, and this is going to be part number six. Lazarus and the rich man, this part number six, and today... We're going to be taking time to look at the issue of the world torment. Last week we, uh, we dealt a little bit with uh, Lazarus being at the bosom of Abraham. And so today we want to look at uh, the rich man being in torment. Was it torment like, as it were? Uh, so let's quickly look at the book of Luke 16, verse 24. Uh, 23, 24, as the case may be. Let's take it from verse 23. Luke 16. Uh, from verse 23. Bible says, he held, lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Look at the next verse. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and say Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Amen. Now, like I always try to tell us, if this was the hell that was taught to us the way it was supposed to be, and like they have always said also to me in Abraham being heaven, Abraham bosom being heaven, do we understand that in our studies here? It simply means they are very close. Because the rich man being in hell can see Lazarus and Abraham in heaven. They could not be very far. Hallelujah. Come on, you follow what I'm saying here. Good. So that tells you that that picture is not very accurate. Not very accurate. And it tells you again that. In their own thinking, without consideration of what they are teaching anyway, that there's somebody in hell can talk to somebody in heaven. Can you get a picture there? I'm sure they don't really think about this when they teach that. The rich man is in hell and he's talking to somebody in heaven. Did you notice that? So how far is hell from heaven? And if somebody will be in hell and still communicate with somebody in heaven, I don't see much difference, of course, because for instance, if your brother is in hell and you are in heaven and you see your brother roasting and you can talk to your brother, what joy will you have in heaven? You also lose your joy, you lose your peace. Praise God. If your relation die naturally, you know how much tears you share and the agony you go through if you have to lose your relation your husband, your wife, your sister whatever the case may be, naturally you know the kind of pains you go through now let's picture that now you see your brother in hell roasting in the way we have been taught without coming out of it and every day you wake up in heaven you'll be seeing your brother roasting there are you going to enjoy heaven? Praise God. So you see that the picture given to us is completely wrong. Hallelujah. You will literally lose your peace if you have to be seeing your brother every day. Even your neighbor in your street, for instance, that maybe you spoke to and then never believed in the gospel. And then finally, now you are in heaven. And you could recognize 
Because from the picture painted here, I please, rich man can recognize Abraham. Abraham can call him son. Is that okay? Now you recognize your brother you used to see on the street. Maybe you would never believe in what you were talking about. And then every day you wake up from your mansion. You get what I mean? As you walk out like this, trying to relax, and you see your brother right there. And maybe he'll be calling you, Brother Francis, help me. And every day that continues. Because any day you come out of your mansion, you're going to see that man. What joy will he have in heaven? This fake story they give to us. Did you get that? And they don't consider these things where they are teaching it because it's a carryover. You know, one grandfather gave it to one father, another father gave it to another father, and then they pass it on to us. And we also have to swallow it, maybe in Bible colleges, whatever the case may be. Huh? And I will pass it on to the next generation. And so, if you come out, God is giving you an understanding different from that. They say, oh no, you are heretic. You're preaching heresy. How about look at the picture they are painting? That somebody in heaven can be talking to somebody in hell. And then, what joy will you have? That's my question. Hallelujah. Okay, let's look at something. But you, you need to understand. I told you in the last studies that the hellish condition that the rich man got into was a change of situation from the joyous, blissful inheritance they had in Abraham based on the law. Their condition changed and the Gentiles came in. You remember that? Praise God. The Gentiles were without God. Now they came in with the Lazarus. And remember what Jesus said. Let's even look at that. Matthew 21 verse 42. Let's look at that and then we'll go to, we'll go back again. But let's look at this story. Verse 42. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The soul with the beard has rejected the same, it become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth forth the fruit thereof. Did you get that? Who is the chief cornerstone rejected? Jesus Christ. Is that right? Okay, now he's talking to a people. The kingdom is going to be taken away from you and given to another people. Remember, there were a kingdom of priests and kings according to Exodus 19. Amen? Right. Now the kingdom is taken away from you and given to a people that bring forth the fruit. Now the people that are going to receive this kingdom are the Gentile nations who were the dogs. Are you getting the picture? Right. Why? They rejected him in the first place. Okay. Verse 44. Now he said, I whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whosoever it shall fall, it will grant him to powder. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had these parables, get that, they perceived that he spake of them. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? They knew he was talking about them. I've always pointed this out to you. Most times when Jesus gave parables, is already targeted at the Pharisees. And guess what? The Pharisees, the Levites, they also came from the house of Judah. And he also came from the house of Judah. He was talking to his own people. They rejected him, remember? Praise God. Right. So here from what we said in the book, um, verse, um, that's verse uh, 43 here, there's a transfer of the kingdom. Right? From the kingdom, I mean, the tribe of Israel now, they will enjoy all of those covenants, the glory, the beauty, I mean, the laws, like we read before in Romans chapter 9. I'm going remember that. Oh, very good. All of those things, now they are no longer enjoying them because they're entering now into another realm. Remember I said, after the death of Jesus Christ, there was a change of state. Lazarus entered into a blissful condition and Judah, which is a rich man, entered a terrible condition. You remember that? Praise God. Okay. So the kingdom shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth what? The fruit thereof. Which has to do with now Lazarus and the rich man, as the case may be. Now, 
we find that Judah was actually the nation born of this, I mean, of, 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 as it were, of Abraham. The other nations are now coming into their inheritance, like we read last week in Galatians 3. All of that which has to do with Christ, or anybody who have received by or baptized into Christ, become the seed of Abraham. You remember that? Galatians chapter 3. Okay. So, now, we are, as it were, the children of Abraham, we've entered into the bosom of Abraham, they who were supposed to be the original children of Abraham, they are now outside of that. Because you see, this bone of Abraham we're talking about now, this new kingdom we're talking about now, is just Christianity. Everything that Jesus did after the cross. And then the, we who have received that grace, we've come into the place of the bosom of Abraham. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. So the Jews are out. Now, we can read this. Let's look at Revelation 11 anyway. Verse, verse number 1. I mean Romans 11 verse number 1. Book of Romans. Romans 11. I say then that God cast away his people. God forbid for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. Of the tribe of Benjamin. God have not cast away his people. Which for new. Would you know that the scripture said of Elias. How he make an intercession to God. Against Israel saying Lord. They have killed thy prophet and dig down thy altars. And I am left alone. And they seek my life. But what say I the answer God gave to him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the meal to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Amen? Now, these people, for instance, I would say, there is something that they don't really understand. I'm talking about the Jews. The Jews remnant who have gone back, because when we get done, I'm going to give you a picture of how they really suffered. The kind of hell condition that they find themselves. But a few Jews have gone back. And we remember, I don't want to mention them, but some ministers have been there propagating all along how the Jews are going to return back home. The temple is going to be built. The Haifa, arches, and all of that. Have you heard some of those things? Yeah. Okay. Some Jews have actually gone back home and they are thinking that they are going to have the kingdom restored to them and they are going to be the one to rule the world. But you see, God's agenda has nothing to do with the little piece of land in Palestine. It has to do with the whole world. This kingdom is not to be established in a location called Israel. Hallelujah. That is so much of what the Christian community don't even understand. Those who are propagating that theory of how God is going to go back, is going to come back to Jerusalem and you know, going to step down on Mount Olive. You read that, you'll be able to see the Mount Olive the thing split into two. And there's a valley in between. What kind of thing is that? People don't understand what they are saying. So here, they think, okay, we are coming back, we are going to be the one to rule the world. As if they're going to get back the privileges they had before they left Jerusalem. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because right from when the Romans came in AD 70, they were all dispersed into the whole world. Okay. Go with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 10. Look at what he said here. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 10. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the house, the horse from Judah, I mean Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heaven, and his dominion shall be from sea, even to sea, and from the river, even to the ends of the earth. Whose dominion? God's dominion. Christ's dominion. Okay, go with me to Psalm 72, verse number 7. Psalm 72 verse number 7. In his days shall the righteous flourish and the abundance of peace so long as the moon endure it. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. 
So you see, here is a big delusion for the Jews who think that they are going to get back the kingdom and rule the world. The agenda of God is utmost part of the edge, if you will. From coast to coast, from sea to sea. Is that okay? So, they're living in delusion. As we go down, I'm going to be able to show you, maybe you'll get the pictures. How they see cried the willing walls of Jerusalem. Alright. So, we have the Jews who believe that. They've been Jews who have returned to the promised land. And that one day, they are going to rule the world. That thought is in your heart. He said they've forgotten to realize that Christ came not for just a nucleus of people called Jews. He came from the whole world. I mean for the whole world. Ephesians 2 tells of that, for instance, he broken down the middle wall of partition. I mean if you remember that. There's neither Greek nor Jew nor Gentile. Everybody has become one body, one spirit. They can't see that. And I'll make you see that from scripture. Their eyes are blinded to that revelation. That Jesus came for everybody. So they are still thinking they are going to get back the kingdom. The few that have gone back home. They are praying and crying for the restoration of that kingdom of David. And helping that Jesus is going to come according to the prophecy. Being the son of David to rule and reign. They are looking for one physical man to rule them like David ruled in Israel. Hallelujah. But for now of matter is this. The land of Canaan, like I'm saying, is not just that little piece of estate in Palestine where, as it were, people are now thinking the Jews are going to have dominion over the world. The Canaan that God is talking about is not just that little piece of land there. It's the land of peace, which has to do, spiritually speaking, the entire realm at which God rules and reigns. Praise the Lord. So the new age of God's kingdom domain is larger and bigger than the Palestinian territory that they might even be fighting for. Amen? They are so ignorant of this fact that the whole world is the dominion or the domain that has been established for the sons of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Through the seed of there being the seed of Abraham. We're talking about the whole realm of creation. Nothing to do with a piece of land called Palestine. If Jesus is to go back and become a king in Palestine, where then is my portion? Think about that. Is he going to rule? Oh, oh, oh. You know what they tell you? He's going to rule like you have the United States of America. Every state is on its own. So it's United, United Kingdom of God. I don't know what he's going to call that. And they tell you, oh, you know what they tell you? If Jesus is coming, he come like as you get on the internet. Have you, have you heard people say that? Hallelujah. Praise God. So here is the point. We who are the children of Abraham, are the seed of Abraham through Christ, we are actually the one that will be in charge of the kingdom that God is unveiling. And this kingdom is not limited. I repeat, it's not just some little piece of land or estate in Palestine. No, it has to do with the whole world. Remember I read in the book of Psalm 72? Is that okay? Right. It's the whole world from sea to sea, coast to coast. To the end of the earth. That's what the kingdom is all about. You have nothing to do with Palestine. But the Jews can't understand that. Now, why am I putting all this story? Because the Jews are dispersed into all end of the end, as it were, they've lost their place of authority and dominion and right now they are regretting and willing in that condition that they find themselves and that is the hellish condition that they find themselves. They are no longer enjoying as it were, the glory that they were supposed to have being the seed of who? Of Abraham. Praise the living God. So, the parable of rich men and Lazarus actually displays or portrays all of this thing we are describing. How they have been become a change from those who were supposed to be the true sons, in quote, and becoming now, how do I put it now, 
outcast because they cast out of the kingdom and he said to be cast into outer darkness. Remember, there is darkness, there is outer darkness. The Gentiles were even in darkness. And one of the things that enables it or brings you to a place of darkness is unbelief. Is that okay? Yeah. Unbelief and ignorance of the heart. Now, the Jews, they were cast into outer darkness, beyond darkness. A higher level of unbelief. And I'll make you see that from scriptures. Talking about a blindness that happened to the Jews. And God enables them to receive that. The prophecy came from Isaiah chapter 6. You remember that? Good. Praise the living God. Alright. So, in this realm that this rich man is, we got to do with the house of Judah now. From away from the kingdom, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes and he saw. Amen. He sees the kingdom with a new understanding. There's a kind of revelation coming to him now that I am supposed to be in that condition, but somebody else is right there now. Amen. So, mighty 21 again, verse 43. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits. So here we find out his gracious promises. And if you read down scriptures, chapter 18, we are meant to understand the Gentiles shall come and sit down with Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac where? In the kingdom of heaven. I mean, if you remember that. Good. That is a picture we are seeing now. The Gentiles have come. The nations have come. We're sitting down together with Abraham. But the Israelites are no longer there. So in the condition now they find themselves, they lift out of their eyes and begin to see Lazarus in the bosom of who? Of Abraham. By implication, the condition of life that they were living in, in relation to being the one that have the law, the privileges of all of the covenant, have changed. So in the condition they find themselves, that is from where they lifted up their eyes and begin to see Abraham in the bosom of who? Of Abraham. I mean, Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Praise the living God. Are you following this? So that's why they said, they saw Abraham and Lazarus afar off. They are now distanced from the reality of the kingdom. Look with me again, Luke 16, verse 23, 24. From that condition that they find themselves. And he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, And see yet Abraham afar off, and Lazarus where? In his bosom. Praise the Lord. Good. And then he talks about the torment. Then the next verse, verse 24. And I cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. We're going to take a look at that a little bit. If this was a literal fire, it will be burnt. It won't even exist to be talking about seeing Abraham asking for water. So we know that this is not gasoline. This is not literal fire. Am I correct? I mean, how can you be in fire and still be talking? How does that work? What kind of fire is that? But that's the kind of fire they describe for us. Have you seen picture of people when they paint the picture of hell? People are being roasted and, you know, and, and, and unfortunately too, they say it's a devil that will be turning the people, roasting them like suya and they don't get burnt. Huh? Praise God. So you must understand that this is not talking of literal fire. No way. We've got a picture of the story of fire that happened in the north where there's some Polani, I don't know, wanted to go and raid a church, remember, and turn that truck and the whole place, all of them were roasted. I was in the picture yesterday. I can somebody be fire and still be talking. This must be a different fire. Amen. And so the picture we paint in the church about this fire is completely zero. 
That is not the kind of fire we are seeing in the scriptures. And that's because people don't understand what this fire is all about. And God is giving us some privileges in this place to be able to see beyond the natural. We're seeing into the spirit what God has in mind for us. So what then is tormenting this man? This rich man being tormented. Why is he being tormented? What is tormenting this man? Remember he sees now? Remember? He's been tormented he sees. Lifted up his eye. And he saw. Right? Remember Jesus from scripture. One of the Pharisees. You shall see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom. And you shall be cast out. How many of you remember that? He told them that. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And other nations from the east from the west. Shall come and sit down with them. You shall be cast out of the kingdom. So now they have been cast out. And from the position where they are. They can see. The glory. Of the kingdom. That Lazarus will represent the nations. And are enjoying. In the bosom of Abraham. Are you getting that? Good. If you want to look at the scripture in the truth. And what is fire? Go with me to Jeremiah 20 verse number 9. All we ever think about is literal fire that consumes wood and turns into ashes. But we must understand that it's a parable. Jeremiah 20 verse number 9. Then said I, I will not make mention of him, nor speak anymore in his name. Jeremiah is talking. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary for bearing and I could not stay. In other words, your word was like fire burning where? In my bones. Shut up in my bones. So, remember this. The Jews hated Jesus and hated his message. Which is actually the message of the kingdom. Is that okay? They hated him and they hated his message. And that's very important. So the word of the kingdom brought condemnation and torment to them because the things he told them will happen finally got to happen. You shall be cast out and now it has really happened. So it's like an anguish. It's like pain. They are not in torment. They are not feeling the pain of, in quote, rejection. But I must say they rejected themselves, not God. Praise the Lord. Everything Jesus ever spoke was making them to be angry. As a matter of fact, they said he was mad. Remember that? He's beside himself. Right. It angered them and raged them. If he reached them, the Jews were never happy anytime he's speaking. All of those things. In fact, they get so provoked. Get angry to the point where at this stage, I would say their mouth was dried up. They could no longer alter anything. The anger was so eating them up deeply. Praise the living God. And so here at this stage, in a mental condition, they were in so much anguish and being paralyzed by the thought and the feeling of this rejection that they were not passing through. Praise the Lord. That's why they call out. We need to get our tongue cooled up. Come help us. I'm going to make you see something from the book of James. When they say we are tormented in this plane, we need water to cool our tongue. What is the tongue supposed to mean? What is the tongue so- I mean, let's go down to James chapter 3 verse number 6. Let's do a few things here so that you can understand. James 3 verse number 6. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says, and the tongue is a fire, a wall of iniquity. So is a tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and set it on fire the course of nature. And he set on fire of hell. 
for every kind of beast of birds of serpents of things in the sea is tamed and I have been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly what? poison you can't tame the tongue but something can tame the tongue and that is the Holy Spirit are you getting that? so now they use their tongue to deride Jesus and now they find themselves in the realm of what? Anguish. Their tongue to them there. What was that? The insult they gave to Jesus. Their own doctrines and teachings. Their rejections. How many of you remember? In Matthew chapter 12 when Jesus healed that young man and then what did they say? No, no, no. This is not the spirit of God. Don't believe him. He's using the spirit of what? Bezebub. What did Jesus say? He said, every evil word spoken against the Father shall be forgiven. Again, the Son shall be forgiven. But against the Holy Spirit shall not be what? Forgiven. Because I have done this through the Holy Spirit of God. You remember we dealt with the issue of unpardonable sin here. You understand that? Praise the living God. So their tongue is what brought them to this place of torment. Now look at Luke chapter 11 verse 20. Luke 11 verse 20. Look at this. But if I were the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unto you. Mighty says, if I cast out devil with the spirit of God. So the spirit of God is what? The finger of God. Now what did he say? Let him dip his finger in water to cool my tongue. What do you think he's talking about? Let him come and give me an understanding by reason of the Holy Spirit that I might change my language from deriding Jesus. Is it making sense to you? The finger speaks of the Holy Spirit. So it's not saying go deep finger, have a bucket of water, take a finger, come and drop it in my mouth. Lazarus cannot even get close enough because even, remember, Abraham said, there's a big God fix that those who are here cannot come over there. How many of you remember that? Praise God. So he was requesting for the Holy Spirit to tame his tongue. Only one thing can tame your tongue and that is the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the tongue can send you into the place of hell. Like we read in James chapter 3. Is it making sense to you? Praise the living God. So this is just it. So Jesus is saying here, if I cast a devil with the finger of God, and he might say, if I cast a devil with the spirit of God. So the spirit equal what? The finger of God. He said, let him take a finger of water and cool my tongue. Why is he want to cool his tongue? The tongue would quit have used to abuse Jesus. I need a new message. I need a new understanding. It's like saying, I'm sorry for the things I said. Praise the Lord. Let's look at it again so that you can understand the water that we're looking for. That it was not H2O. He wasn't talking about H2O. And that's what the, the evangelist preached and the whatever I could say, the charismatic as well. That's what they're going to talk to us about. That because the place so hopeless looking for water, H2O. Jesus wasn't talking about H2O, friends. Go with me to Isaiah 55 as number one. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55 as number one. Ho, everyone that tasted, come ye to the waters. And either had no money, come ye, buy and eat ye. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Therefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread. And your labor for that which satisfy not. Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Here and ye shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure masses of who? Of David. Did you get that? Look at verse 1 and 2. You're thirsty. Go back to verse 1. And look at it very well. Hope. Everyone that tested, do what? Come 
What do you think is asking you to come take? The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Is that okay? He's asking you to come and take life, which is the Spirit of God. Nothing to do with H2O. So when the man is saying, I need water, what water was he looking for? He needed the Holy Spirit. He needed the life of God, which he rejected in Christ. Okay, go with me to Re- Revelation 22, verse number 17. Revelation 22, verse number 17. Look at what he said. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that hear us say, Come. And let him that is at test come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Did you get that? Let him take the water of life freely. So when he was saying, give me water, he wasn't talking about H2O. It's the life of God that he lost. Let Lazarus come help me out. Praise God. And so here, we are told that they were tormented. Lifted up his eyes and was tormented in this flame. And then he cried for this water. It had to the life. The word torment in the Greek here is basanizo. In English, it means the touchstone. Now, the proper usage of this touchstone was to try the genuineness of gold. By implication, it was meant to try something to get the truth out of it. Praise the living God. That's the word basanizo. And don't forget what we read before in the book of Matthew. He said, if the stone falls on you, it will grind you to powder. If you fall on the stone, it breaks you to pieces. Is that okay? And that stone is Christ himself. Praise the living God. All right. I need you to get it. Okay. Go with me to now Luke 20, verse, verse number 12. I want to read this story here. Luke 2012. And again, he said, he told, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. He sent a thought that God sent the people to the vineyard, God's own vineyard. Okay. Then said the Lord, verse 13, of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husband may saw him, the reason among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that inheritance may be ours. So, they cast him out of the vineyard and kill him. This is Christ. Got the picture right. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give the vineyard to others, Gentiles, Lazarus, and when they heard it, they said, God forbid. He was talking to them, God forbid. <laughs> you understand that? Praise the Lord. In a way, they begin to say that Jesus was talking about them. They got to realize that Jesus was saying that he was the heir, and they said they're going to kill him. What Jesus was saying was prophesying of what he's going to do and what's going to be done to him on the cross. Somehow they say something. We're going to be cast out of the kingdom. No, God forbid. Look at verse 17. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? Can you get it now? He now looked at them. I said, Okay, what is this that is written? If he said, God forbid, it's, it's not going to happen. But what is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected the same and become the head of the corner. What is that? So you see, it was addressing the Jews. Again, the Pharisees. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, and I won't it shall fall, it will grind him to what? To powder. Praise God. Now, largely they begin to understand he was talking about them. Amen? So they are now in torment based on the things they said before, 
based on the condition they find themselves right now, because now they have been cast out. They've killed the son, which have to do with the heir, and they've been cast out of the kingdom. And now the kingdom, which is divided, have been given to others, which have to do with what? The Gentiles. So in that state is when they are now regretting of the things that he said about Jesus and against Jesus. Praise the living God. But there's something we need to understand as well. That every even earthly father tries his own children, which has to do with what discipline. Try as most of them produce truth at the end of the day. Real life. No child, I mean no father punishes his child forever, ever, ever, ever for our first committed. Is that okay? Now if you are an earthly father who do this, how do you expect your father in heaven to punish somebody forever and ever and ever are you getting what I'm saying? In gasoline that is never quenched. Gasoline fire that's never put out. What a wall of ignorance in interpreting the word of God. Hallelujah. Let's just look at the story. I mean, a picture of what a father does to the children. Hebrews 12 verse 5. This is what natural fathers do. Hebrews 12 verse 5. I have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you. As unto children, my son, despite not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuke of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God delivered with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, wherefore are all partakers, then are ye bastards and sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and will give them reverence. Shall we not much more then, I mean much more, rather be in subjection unto the father of spirit and live? For verily, for they verily for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure, but for our own profit, that we might be partakers of what? Of his holiness. Praise the living God. So this is the way in which the word touchstone is used. It means to prove. It means to try. It means to purify. That is the word torment. So torment in the true sense here is not talking of punishment in the way we look at it. But a chastising process. That is the way which have to do with the touch tone to prove the genuineness of gold or truth. That's the word torment, basanizo. Praise the Lord. So the rich man's torment then is that which is affected by the living word. So again, we can look at what you see in Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 12 verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing and sunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and what? The intent of the heart. So the word was now tormenting them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, there's another translation which speaks uh, a little bit better at touching the issue of this word, energetic word of God. For this word is a designer and analyzer and shifter, the sifter of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This West translation, the sifter, it separates your thoughts, it separates your mind, it reposes you, it makes your thought bare. That's what the word of God does. So they are tormented now, this rich man was tormented by the effect of the very word of the kingdom which brought salvation to who? To Lazarus. Praise the living God. But beyond this, there is also the sense of torment that have been experienced by the rich man by virtue of the very condition in which he finally found himself among the nations since that very beginning 
or the dispensation that we are in. They've gone through a lot as people. The Jews have been in a very terrible situation that can be described as lake of fire. Ever since they rejected Jesus as a nation, they've been in a very terrible situation. Look at Matthew 23 and verse 33. Matthew 23 verse 33. It says, Yes, serpent, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Jesus said this to them. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to recast something. Now, now, when he was saying this, he saw the rejection that was coming to him by these people. But look at verse 34. Verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I said unto you, prophet and wise men, and scribe, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but kill out a prophet, and sooner them which are sent unto them, how often will I have gathered thy children together, even as they gathered her chickens under her wings, and you will not. Behold, your house is left unto you what? Desolate. Praise the living God. Now Jesus was using a figure of speech to talk to them here. He was literally weeping because he saw what was coming ahead to the children of Israel. When he said, your house is left to you desolate, the temple. No more glory in the temple. It's going to be desecrated. It's going to be destroyed. I have become as a father, as a, the mother here to gather you, to protect you, but you rejected me. Praise the living God. Now you don't see what is coming ahead of you because of this rejection. Amen? And you know, as from Judah... He could weep because it was like talking to three people. So look at Hebrews 7 verse 14. The Bible says, For it is evident our Lord sprang out of Judah. Hebrews 7 verse 14. He came from Judah. And now Judah is talking to him. So he saw Judah, his own people, as somebody in the flesh in that condition. When he saw what was going to come, he started weeping over Jerusalem. Amen? Now, all of these things started happening 35 years after Jesus wept over the city. The Romans came to the city of Jerusalem. We are made to understand over a million Jews were perished in one sweep by the Roman soldiers. We are made to understand from record, if you read Josephus' history, you see some of this thing I'm talking about. Every tree that grew around the city of Jerusalem for over the radius of a mile was used for making crosses to crucify the Jews. History tells us that as many as 90 Jews were crucified upon one tree. It was that horrible. The whole place was stinking with the killing that took place. You know, the Jews, they don't use cross to kill people. It's, it's the Romans that do that. They, 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 they brought that formula of killing people with cross. For the Jews, they stoned to death. So we know that the Jews delivered Jesus to the hand of the Romans to kill him. Because Romans were in power as at that time. You remember Pilate was just a consular for the Romans. Is that okay? Right. So the Jews don't use crosses to kill people. That's why we say when Jesus, when we say Jesus was crucified, then we say no. People will argue with you. It was a Jew. Therefore, no, but the Jews don't use crosses. The Jews use stones. Pointed the Lord of Moses. So we know that he was crucified under the Roman Empire because they are the ones that use crosses to kill people. Is that okay? So we made to understand. If you read time, take time to read about 90 people, 90 Jews were crucified on one tree. The whole place was thinking by the time they got rotted. It was horrible. Over a million people when the Jews came, I mean the Romans came. And this was fulfilling the very word 
that they actually said. When you read the story, they said, Book of Matthew again, they said, Let his blood be upon us when he wanted to kill him. I'm not if you remember that. Right. When Pilate said, No, this man is the innocent. Let his blood be upon us and our children's children. And now it began to happen. That prayer that he prayed began to happen. The blood of Jesus was now speaking against them. And so the Romans came and started killing them. Praise the living God. And this is why they went, even up to date, they still cry in a place called the Wailing Walls. On account of the priest, this is what they pray. Can we get a picture of that Wailing Wall? The, I, I remember our brother, I think Nandi Kanu was there the other time. The Wailing Wall, you know, put on shore. They go there cry. I mean, they so cried, tears there, literally wearing out the stones. And this was made a part of Solomon's temple. What we, what we made to understand. Praise the living God. Tears coming from their eyes. Regularly they go there to cry. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. That's a picture there. I don't know if it's clear enough. But you see people there. That wall they go there to cry. They are crying for the Messiah to come. Because of what they've passed through. And what they still are passing through. Largely in the world today. Just because they cried, they did not only cry, they rejected Jesus and they said, let his blood be what? Upon us. So they are actually in torment. Now the few ones that are back home, they always go there to cry with the Messiah. And this part of what they cry, on account of the priests, we have stumbled. We sit lonely and weep. On account of our kings, we have despised him with the Jehovah and Jesus. We sit lonely and weep. Oh, make haste. Oh, redeem our Zion. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. May the royal government shine over Zion. Comfort those who mourn in Zion. This is a prayer. They go there to cry and wail. They call it the wailing walls. They are still waiting for the Messiah. They are crying and repenting for God to help them. They are saying we are sorry for even what the priests have done. Because their eyes are beginning to open. Gradually. Are you following what I'm saying here? Praise the living God. But 20 centuries we say have passed. But these are tears and prayers have not availed anything. Nothing has happened. For there is still a great God fixed. There's still a distance. There's still a big dip between Lazarus and the rich man that you can pass over. In other words, the glory of today, they can enjoy it. Because they are still in their heart rejecting the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, if you look at that, you can Leviticus. I mean, let's look at uh, Lamentation. Should be stopping shortly. Lamentation two verse eighteen. This is one of the major pictures that is captured in the Bible. Lamentation, right? Their heart cried unto the Lord. O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river. Day and night, give thyself no rest. And this is what they do. Every day, they go there to cry. Forgive us. Give us the Messiah. Praise the living God. Amen. So, I would like to stop here today so that next week I take off from you and give you a little bit of history. Of how they are suffering. I mean, we meant to understand in Europe when there was a, a plague in the Middle Ages, heavy plague that occurred in Europe, just like what you find like this COVID 19. And what happened? They said these Jews they are responsible for this plague, they were really outcast on the world. Fire, God burned in the whole nation and they said the Jews are responsible. That prayer, let his blood be upon us, really worked. They got it. The way they cried for it, let it be upon us and our children, oh yes, they got it. Praise the living God. Are you following me? So this is the major scripture that describes what happens in the willing world of Jerusalem. And I need to understand this wall was part of the temple of Solomon. 
part of the broken section, the golden pride. You see tears flowing like water. Crying for forgiveness and crying that the Redeemer will come. The Redeemer that is already with us. That's the crying. I make you see that next week. Because God then gave them the spirit of slumber. Say blindness and it happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles becoming. Are you still there with me? Good. Praise the living God. But somewhere along the line, like we said, God will answer his prayer. But when the fullness of Gentiles have done what? Have come in. Their eyes shall finally open and they will realize who Jesus is. Praise the living God. So, what are we saying tonight? We're just simply saying the rich man found himself in torment because he was separated from the bosom of who? Of Abraham. And Lazarus finally came to the bosom of Abraham and began to enjoy the glory, the beauty, the excellency, and all of the promises that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as they come into the kingdom. They are now dining with Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham himself. But they who are supposed to be the children, natural children, they were cast out of the kingdom because they rejected the Messiah, because they rejected the glory that he brought forth, because they rejected this person that he can rule over them, because they rejected the message of the kingdom. So the next thing that they are going to pass through was this torment. And guess what? Somewhere along the line, having seen the glory that God has for us, for his people, like I'm trying to make you understand, every one of them thinking that the glory is coming to them, they are going to rule the world, the truth of the matter is, is the sons of God that are going to rule the world. If you don't know what you are into right now, of course, you may end up behaving like the Jewish people. It's a privilege that you are hearing what you are hearing. It's not by accident. It's by divine orchestrated situation that God has placed you in this place to hear the things that we are hearing. You reject these things, you go back outer darkness, just like the Jews was. If you don't stay with what God is giving to you, if you reject the voice that God is sending across to you, you are rejecting the glory, the beauty that he has ahead of you. Other people come in who will believe into what God is saying and become partakers of that glory. Don't forget this. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You got to understand and no matter how delayed it is, a glory is ahead of the church. I've always explained to you, there are three feasts in Israel. The first feast is called the Feast of Weeks. The second feast, the Feast of, no, the first one is Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and then the Feast of Pentecost. I mean, a tabernacle, three feasts. You can just read that. Deuteronomy 16, 16. You need to understand this, which is very important. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 16. I need you to read this so that you can understand what I'm trying to say. These three feasts in Israel, they represent our walk into salvation. Three times in a year shall all the men appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of all living bread that is Passover and in the feast of weeks that is Pentecost and in the feast of tabernacles and thou shalt appear the Lord with, all, with the Lord what? Empty. Right? Three feasts. So the first feast is Passover. You got that when you receive Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that. You speak it in tongues, doing signs and wonders. You got the second feast, which is Pentecost. But there remained one more feast, which is called the feast of what? Tabernacles. That's what the Bible now says. The tabernacle of God is with men. You're rejecting the reality of what God is saying. You probably may not partake of this glory, which we are also waiting for. And then you end up like the Jews. You'll be watching men experiencing that glory afar off. You'll be in torment because of your thinking. Praise the living God. Are you following that? These are part of the things I have seen in scripture. Why I can't change what I'm teaching you. Why I can't change the message that I'm preaching. Why I can't turn it down for people to accept it. These are the things I've seen. If God will make Passover available, if we make Pentecost available, He's going to make Tabernacle available. And I want to be part of that. Praise the living God, somebody. I've seen something that nothing can keep me back. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm believing God for. I know what I've shown in the world. Therefore, I can't lower what I'm saying 
Now I cannot tone down the message that I've gotten. Whether it is accepted, whether it is believed or not, it shall be as it was with Jesus Christ. The stone that the builders received shall later become what? The chief cornerstone. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.